2: and this is the Swiggly careers podcast a weekly show where sarah and i dive into the ins and outs ups and downs and work and give you some ideas for action and some tools to try out to give you a bit more confidence clarity and control in your career And today, we're going to be tackling the topic of how to quieten your inner critic. And before we get started, if it's one of the first times you've listened to the podcast, you might not know all the other stuff we do to support you. So you can join us for Pod Plus, which is a weekly conversation where we dive a bit deeper into the topic. That's every Thursday morning for 30 minutes. You can download our pod sheets. That's a one-page summary where you've got the ideas for action that we share and some coach yourself questions. And you can also sign up for Pod Mail, which is basically where everything is in one easy form that comes to your inbox every week. You can get all the links to that stuff in the show notes for this episode.
0: So what is your inner critic? Well your inner critic is that negative self-talk that I think feels familiar for everyone. I'd love to hear from anyone who's like, I just don't I don't have this ever. My my inner monologue is just always relentlessly positive. (laughs) Um, Imagine what that person might be like, I don't know. So this is something I think we are all used to and you might hear that inner critic most days maybe sometime during a week, or maybe it's more occasional. But I think it is something that we all recognise. As I was researching this, almost the more I thought about it, the more I could start to spot specific examples of where that
2: inner critic was sort of what was shouting the loudest in my head. I had to think about it. You know, I know we're going to come on to what does our sound like and when does it show up? But I couldn't just go, oh, yeah, I hear it all the time. I was like, oh, I had to actually press pause and think, when does this happen and what does it sound like? So it wasn't, I wouldn't say mine talks to me all the time. No, no, no,
0: mine doesn't. Mine is actually very scenario and situation specific. Mm. But I do think having read quite a lot about this before this episode for some people, it might feel like it's with them most days. Perhaps if you particularly are your own worst critic, you know, if you identify like, oh, yeah, I do tend to be really hard on myself. I think it might shout louder and show up more frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, I suspect both you and I have a good dose of optimism, which often helps us and are relatively confident. You know, Mm -hmm. not not all the time and every day because, you know, no one is. But I think we both have a a good base level of confidence, which I think helps with that sort of turning down the volume in your inner critic. There's one brilliant article I read that we will include in the show notes on the Guardian website. And they really kind of explore this topic. And one of the things that really stood out to me is it's so important that we recognize that that inner critic doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. And it's not something to be fixed it's much more just a feature of being human. And I really mm. like I really liked that description. Don't worry about fixing it. Remember, it's a feature of being human. But I suppose what we don't want it to do is to be the sort of guiding thing with you every day that is sort of in charge. I mm. think if your inner critic is in charge of your decisions, then it could really start to limit you in your squiggly career. And I think particularly when I was um, reflecting on this, in the knotty moments of your career... I think that's a real breeding ground for the inner critic. So when there's more uncertainty or change and when we feel more out of control, I think there are often times where you're like, oh, it could just gradually, and you might not even notice it, but get sort of louder and louder and louder to the point where you then do lose a lot of confidence. In those moments where actually you're trying to make positive progress, maybe you're trying to get unstuck, you're trying to see the wood from the trees. But if all you can hear in your inner monologue is, you know, things that feel unhelpful or hard you know almost like the worst of you rather than the best of you I think that could really get in your way.
2: So as a starting point, we think it is really useful to tune into your inner critic for just a moment so that you can think about when is it shouting the loudest and what does it sound like to you? Because I think the language of your inner critic is very personal and in order for us to work out how we stop it getting in the way of our growth, we have to sort of learn to listen to it a little bit more. So for example, if Sarah and I just share what ours sound like, I think this is quite vulnerable. When I was, when I was thinking about this, Sarah, I was like, well, this is quite exposing to do on the podcast, but you know, <laughs> (laughs) for the benefit of you listeners here you go so I was like okay when does my inner critic show up and what does it say to me when it comes out so I thought mine when things are quite samey in my work so if I've got a week that feels quite slow and quite samey which I know on the surface actually isn't that it is not always bad to have a week full of things that you've done before and a pace that feels quite manageable but when that is the case and this week is one of them actually because we're recording this in the Easter holidays so in theory I've got time to think because it's not crazy busy however this is prime time for my inner critic to show up because what it says to me is Helen you're not doing enough your work isn't big enough it's not going to stand out and it's something my inner critic is something like you're not being distinctive you're not making the most of your time you're kind of being lazy it's something like that when the work is too samey or it might feel a bit slower for me So it's almost like my inner critic creates quite a lot of pressure that I just wish it didn't sometimes. And I'll sit here and I'll be like, oh, instead of just like taking a pause, produce something, produce something, you must produce something. And then the other time my inner critic comes up is annoyingly when things are going really well. So let's say, you know, one of our books has come out or it's got a really good review or an article for Harvard Business Review is going really well. Instead of going, my inner critic going, well done, you've done a great job. Mine goes like, you can't take a break or you might break the business like it's like you can't if you don't keep going you're going to lose this moment it's almost like I don't see that what I'm building is sustainable the inner critic is kind of slightly more fear driven That if I don't keep going and keep growing and keep doing more then I might lose it all and so mine creates quite a lot of pressure it feels quite hard when those things happen and then my third one, if those two weren't enough, is when things are busy. So there's a lot going on in the business and someone reminds me of a deadline. So this is definitely something that Sarah will do. She'll be like, oh, Helen, have you messaged that person? Or will you be able to do that by Friday? Something like that. And then my inner critic goes, oh, gosh, that person thinks I'm not on it. Or they think I'm not prioritizing the right thing. Or they think I've been wasting time. And I think my inner critic is kind of going, oh, Helen, you're being too distractful you're, you're losing focus. You're not being impactful. So yeah, my situations are when things are too samey, when things are going well or when things are busy which basically all the time I (laughs) was like "Uh." I did wonder whether you were
0: going to get to that because I was listening to you thinking okay so things are really busy it goes but then actually if things slow down it also comes out (laughs) which I think is why it is helpful to start to just spot those moments because then you know you started to describe oh this is what it sounds like and you're right I went through this process last week when I was preparing for today's conversation and there were a few where I was like oh that no, I didn't feel embarrassed is not the right word, but I was like, oh, this is definitely quite a vulnerable thing mm. to be talking to people about. And mine, mine are quite different from yours as well, which I think hopefully is useful for listeners to hear the range of things. My inner critic is definitely loud. When I've been ill or away from work for some reason, so it could be I suffer from migraine. So sometimes I have to like disappear for 48 hours because basically I'm in bed for 48 hours. Or even if I go on holiday, so that's like very different to not being very well. And things are then going well, let's say in in Amazing If in our company, I start to tell myself, I don't actually add any value. No one misses me when I'm not there. And you're like, oh, okay. So rather than thinking, oh, it's so great that we have built a business where it doesn't need me every day. I just think, why doesn't everybody need me? <laughs> um, and we'll come on to the neediness that is so clear in that statement that you're all listening just going, wow, she really needs people to need her. And I'm like, yes, I do hear that very, but it's definitely true. Like I I definitely have that one. And the other one I have is when I think about how I work sometimes, and then I can't help but compare that to how Helen works. And we work very closely together and know each other really well. And I also know very objectively, we're very different. I will sometimes be saying to myself, oh, Helen works so much harder than me she must really resent me and how I choose to work. So let's say I am, I don't know, going for a walk or taking a break or having a much slower day, all things that I do because I enjoy working in that way and know that it really works for me. I just have this sort of slight niggle sometimes going on, going, oh, I wonder what Helen thinks about the fact that I'm not working at 3pm. Or I wonder about what, what Helen thinks about the fact that I've nipped out for a coffee and we're really busy. You know, so I have this sort of weird comparison thing but that actually I never had in corporate world so it is interesting as well to think about how your context might change your inner critic and I think that's partly because you are running your own thing and also partly because we're co-founders because we're so we're so close and our worlds and our work are so intertwined there's something about that I think that that kind of means my inner critic sometimes kicks in And then my last one, I was really on a roll by this point. I was like, Oh, yeah, (laughs) I can really think of loads of examples, was when I don't get fast feedback on an idea that I'm excited about. So sometimes, usually in quite a random, ad hoc, unanticipated way, I'll just think of something that I'll think, Oh, I think there's something in this. I think this is a a good idea. And it could be a really small good idea, or it could be what I think is like a big idea. And I find it really hard not to then share those things in the moment because I sort of want some, I think I, uh, my ideas are fueled by then sort of, you know, the kind of interchange of going, oh, what do you think and building on it and making it kind of better. And if I then don't get an immediate response, even though people can be just busy, got loads of other things going on, I very, very quickly start to tell myself, oh, I thought that person would think this was a good idea. This must not be a good idea. And the reason they haven't replied is it's not a good idea and they're trying to figure out how to tell me in a way that doesn't hurt my feelings. And that's honestly, I get into like this really weird spiral of and it's actually quite an emotional roller coaster for me because I've in almost like this could be within an hour, I've got quite excited about something. And then almost because I don't get this fast feedback, the kind of roller coaster reaches the kind of peak excitement. And then I sort of have this anticipation, you know, when you're you're sort of taking a deep breath and then you share it with someone else. And then the inner critic kicks in because in that exact moment, I then don't get any kind of fuel for the idea. I then sort of really quickly sort of go down the other side and start to really tell myself like, oh, I thought ideas were something I was good at. I'm not as good as I thought I was. Almost like your, you know, you talked about fear. I think I then get driven by quite a lot of fear of like, oh, I think that's how I contribute. And then if these ideas are not good, what am I now contributing? Probably back to that first one a little bit of like, how am I actually adding value if this is not any good? This gets really depressing, doesn't it? Really quickly. I know, I know. No, we, are,
2: we have got some ideas back, yeah. everyone. But, and and we... bye, everyone. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with your critic. So, but I was thinking, actually, you might get this like compound critic effect in teams whereby like your critic is sort of negatively increased by my critic so so for what i mean by that is like so you're like oh i'm sharing an idea i want to get fast feedback and that's kind of and if i don't then i fear that it's not a good idea so that's a, your little cycle for your critic there and then i'm like oh things are going to doing well i've just got to keep at it i've got to keep doing more i've got to keep doing more and so i'm very blinkered on keeping doing more of what i'm already doing you're trying to share something that you want my feedback on but they're almost it's almost becoming bigger because of my critics making me behave in one way which then increases mm. yours it's this is compound effect which i think is why it's so so good to talk about this in Teams, though I do recognize it is quite yeah. vulnerable to do. So maybe even not doing it in your team first of all, just doing it with somebody who like you know but you don't necessarily work with, just to sort of expose this stuff a little bit, because there is more that we should do ourselves, but just in listening to Sarah, for example, A lot of the thought process that she's applying to me, oh, Helen must resent me, doesn't even enter my head. In fact, I really admire the way that Sarah works and it makes me want to put more boundaries into how I work. So I have nothing but admiration, but because of Sarah's critic, she might kind of feel more, there's more accusation in how I'm responding to it. So I think sometimes just getting this out in the open is quite helpful just to to sort of recognise that your thought processes might not be other people's.
0: And so just before we go into the ideas for action, which I promise we we do actually have, one don't before we get to some do's. And I think that the kind of don't is, A, don't try and ignore the inner critic. You know, you might just try and think, oh, I'm just going to not listen. I think if anything, when I've read some of the research about this, if you sort of don't listen to it or you avoid it, actually it can make it louder louder you almost then hear it kind of on repeat. You know, it's sort of that thing where someone says like, don't think about elephants. And then all you think about is elephants. I think it's <laughs> sort of the same same thing. <laughs> Elephant. Yeah, you know, and it's like, so it's sort of, don't try and ignore it. It's sort of that whole make friends with it, which we'll talk a bit more about. And actually the other thing that has been shown to not work, which I thought might work, but um, there's some good reasons why it doesn't. I thought, oh, well, maybe what you need to do is look for some opposing data points. So for example... One would be Helen just saying to me there, oh, but Sarah, I I admire how you work and I admire that you put boundaries in place. For most people, that doesn't work as a way of changing your behaviour. Yeah. Not because I don't believe Helen. Like, I know Helen really well and I, I, I don't think she's making that up to make me feel better. But I think it's probably the irrationality of this inner critic because if I was rational and objective... I would just believe Helen and I also sort of know that thing is true but I think the problem is this probably you've been listening to this voice for a while and I think it's you have to almost figure out for yourself how to quieten the inner critic Mm. and I think the starting point is very rarely oh just you almost like try and balance the books by someone telling you some of the things because I thought oh actually maybe that's a good thing to do but apparently the voice just returns no matter how hard you try to sort of suppress it or make it smaller.
2: Well, me saying that to you, I guess, from your perspective, is that sort of like you thinking, well, good for you, Helen, but not good for me. It's like it's different for me.
0: Yeah, but there are times where that would work, right? There would be times mm-hmm. where getting some feedback from somebody else where they would say, oh, I don't observe that or that's not what I would think can actually be really helpful. But that's probably not the most useful starting point for this. And I think that's actually quite a good watch out.
2: So we've got four different ideas for action now to help you to quieten your inner critic. And the first one is about self-distancing from your inner critic by asking a why question. And I guess what this is doing is turning your inner critic more into your inner coach so that's something that we can work with. So the way that you can do this is you can take one of those inner critics situations that you've identified previously like the ones that Sarah and I talked about and then you can turn it more into a sort of a why question so for example I shared that I have my inner critic sometimes comes up when things are really going well for me at work because I have this like worry that it's all going to go away so if I then ask a self-distancing why question that might sound like When things are going well, why does Helen... And using sort of my name intentionally, so it sort of moves a little bit further away from me. So when things are going well, why does Helen fear stepping back means going backwards so suddenly you've got a question that you can reflect on that doesn't feel so immediate sort of in the now for you and so if I answer that question the insight I get to is because I've worked so hard to build the business and the life that I have and ultimately I don't want to lose it where I am now is very different to where I started at in my career and in my life and I I'm sort of worried about going back to where I've been before so then you go oh that's interesting it's nothing really about the project or the book or whatever you're going on is about something bigger in terms of you and your life and how it's grown. Or as another one, it might be, when things are too samey, why does Helen worry that her work will be forgettable? And so then when I answer that, I kind of go, oh, it's because I associate growth with newness all the time. And that if I'm not sharing work that feels new and different, then in my mind, I'm not sort of delivering on my value for growth. So then you get into this sort of area of, right, well, how could you grow not always from newness? Is there different things you can do? So it just starts to take your brain to a slightly different place that can feel a little bit more objective, a little bit more reflective, and maybe not so emotionally overwhelming. What would it sound like for you, Sarah? Sarah? Well, actually, I was just thinking when you
0: described your inner critic earlier, you actually already sometimes use self-distancing, maybe without realising. Because ah, you, you you talk about yourself in third person, you actually that's say that's weird. Yeah, you,
2: <laughs> that's a coping I mean, that's, mechanism. <laughs> yeah,
0: but you say you you do say Helen. You 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 say your own name, and so I actually think one of the ways that um, you know, like as you were describing, like oh, this felt quite vulnerable for me. I was like, oh, one of maybe one of the ways that helped you to feel confident talking about it today was to use your own name rather than saying, I, you don't say I very often when you talk about it. So I was like, oh, but that's good because that's you sort of going, I'm going to create a bit of distance from this because I want to sort of do something about it. Um, so go. I was I like- I'd
2: rather do it intentionally than having created some <laughs> weird persona for myself to manage my vulnerabilities. <laughs> you're,
0: no, just take it as like, you're automatically already doing the right things. Um, whereas I think I'm very much like, I, 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 and then on. Yeah. So I actually found this really useful. So a couple of examples from me. So I've written one, which was, why does Sarah who normally feels confident about her contribution feel like she has to compare herself to Helen? So I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, why do I have to compare myself to you? And I was like, I think sometimes it's the conflict or the stark contrast between how we both work and how we are different. And I think I still have something in the back of my mind about thinking, well, is one way better than the other? You know, because there's quite a lot of sameness probably particularly when I was growing up in my career you know there was sort of one way to succeed in that ladder-like world that we talk Mm. a lot about I still think sometimes I will think oh I'm not I'm not following the model or the mode of what success should look like and you know I sort of fall into that comparison trap and I see myself and think oh that that doesn't feel right I don't I don't look and feel right and I think because I've had that Before in my career where I thought, oh, I need to be more extrovert. I need to be more dot dot dot. And usually that need to be more was something that I wasn't naturally. And so I think at times I veer back to, oh, I need to be more like Helen. If I was more like Helen, things would be better. So that was just quite quite an interesting insight for me. That's not something I would have thought about before doing this
2: I mean I feel like we've just been really smart because we've just like co-founded a business <laughs> together so we basically created this one person that like has like you know the, the bits of both of us in it that, yeah that's my kind of view but I get I get why it doesn't always feel like that
0: yeah but so maybe it's because I'm used to or I've had examples before of almost where I felt like sort of my natural approach hasn't felt like it's been the right way So, you know, I've sort of had to adapt too far before. So maybe I'm like, oh, maybe I need to do that again. Even though, again, logically, I don't want to do that. But you just, I think that's just when when the inner critic kicks in. And then I was thinking, oh, so when Sarah is ill or away on holiday, quite contrasting examples, but I think I get the same inner critic for both of those things. Why does that prompt Sarah to doubt her capability or contribution? So why does that sort of creep in? And actually for that one, I found that really helpful because I've realized that when I'm not actively using my skills and my strengths, I feel more disconnected and less useful. So it's like, oh, I sort of, the longer maybe I'm away for, or almost like the longer maybe you're unwell for, if you're not very well for whatever reason, I think as each day goes by, I feel less connected to something that I love. And then almost, I think, sort of, I start to think, oh, well, it doesn't, like almost like I don't matter. I don't make any difference and the longer that happens the worse it gets if that makes Mm, sense mm. um probably being on holiday slightly less so because I almost feel like well with holidays in my head I go oh I'm on a holiday from work that I'm going back to but I think when I'm not feeling very well and because I do get these migraines every so often often you're already in quite a negative mindset you're like it's not hard for that inner critic to creep in because you're already feeling quite down it's not something you've chosen to do it sort of happened to you And then I start to feel very disconnected and probably because I'm spending time in a dark room for two or three days and it's not very fun. You then just sort of, I sort of get quite down and that monologue in my mind at that point is quite bleak in terms of going, I'm not useful. I I almost lose that sense of caring as well. Like, oh, because most of the time I really care. I spend most of my life thinking about Amazing If and Mm. very very occasionally other things, but you're like, you know, I'm like very in it. I really care and I feel really committed. And then suddenly I feel... Complete in a completely different a very different relationship suddenly
2: it makes me think actually we probably don't need to dive into it too much now but like maternity leave I can see for both of us how <laughs> these critics came into yeah. maternity leave like if I think about mine why does Helen feel that stepping back would mean going backwards I definitely on maternity leave I, that's probably why I went back to work after three months after having my second child Madeline because I was like oh, I don't want to step back and go backwards I, mean, I need to keep going all the time and you're one about you know if you're kind of away from something it makes you feel disconnected and less useful probably contributed to you know maternity feeling like a difficult period too that our critics in those moments really start to to show up so so there's one we've we've only done one idea (laughs) for action
0: but there's one for you um so just ask yourself those self-distancing questions and use the why but then you can just answer it for yourself i think it just reveals some extra insights for you
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Idea for Action 2 is about recognizing that that inner critic is just part of who you are not all of who you are. And one technique you can use here, which I found really interesting, and actually, it's quite fun. This is quite a fun one. Yeah, it's something that isn't very fun. This is quite fun. You can almost start to label it and think about kind of all of the different parts of your personality. And so if you think, well, okay, I've got lots of different parts of me, if that inner critic is just part of me and we interviewed a brilliant lady called Rita Clifton who talked about making friends with your fear it's a a bit like that kind of going well I'm going to identify what part of my personality is sort of getting in my way or is is sort of in charge when you've got this sort of inner critic and so I was like the more I thought about this last week I was like do you know what mine is just I get needy so my, my, little, my sister's got a dog that's a really needy dog and we call it a, the little needy nugget, the little dog when it's being like, you know, it's always needy. It always needs to be loved. It always needs to be picked up. It's very cute, very cute. And it is very, it's cute and it's sort of funny. And I was like, oh, do you know what? If I was sort of thinking about parts of my personality, I'd be like, oh, that's the needy nugget. Because I think that is it. I think in lots of different examples, particularly when I'm thinking about the inner critic that is most likely to get in my way, in my career it's the needy nugget that's the one that I sort of feel like some of my others I'm a bit more I'm a bit kinder to myself and a bit more understandable but that's the one where I'm like come on Sarah you can not do something about it because we have talked before about like we're not trying to sort of kill part of our personality and I do think sometimes these things make us nicer people more empathetic people but I'm like that's the if I'm thinking about I almost think of it like a pie chart I'm like I've got a slice of my pie chart which is the needy nugget and it's sort of recognizing that and calling it that and then we'll talk about better about like what else you might do around the rest of the wheel I found quite useful
2: what did you come up with with your names? I had the, my bigger better barrier, like everything 's got to be bigger to be better, and then I had my forget me not well originally I called it my forget me not flaw but i didn 't really like calling it a flaw it just felt a bit wrong, so i've mm. called it my forget me not foe that that sometimes can like oh i don 't want to be forgotten, so i 've got to keep doing stuff all the time that one that 's how I kind of call them. I do think once you've talked about it and you 've got all the detail, sort of summarizing it in these little names mm. is just easier because i don 't I don't want to go through everything I just talked through with you every time I address this it's a bit too much, but just being like oh that's bigger better barrier again or that's the forget me not foe it it just helps because you you kind of go I get this now I know what's happening in my head
0: well it starts to make it more practical I -hmm. found
2: at this point I
0: was like right okay you could almost say to yourself oh don't be a needy nugget Don't be a forget-me-not-foe. And some of the other examples um, in this technique, which comes from psychotherapy, which people, apparently lots of people experience in case they're helpful, in case you're like, I don't want to be a needy nugget. I'm like, absolutely (laughs) fine. Don't don't be one. Some people have one that they call like the taskmaster, which I guess might be a bit more like yours, Helen, when you're like, Mm. keep working, keep going, do more. Perfectionist, which is, you know, probably very common. The underminer. You know, almost, you know, like the Terminator. Mm. (laughs) I felt like you could sort of have the, you could have the before it. That also might just help you come up with what you want yours to sort of sound like. Just like basically give it like a little personality, but see yourself as having lots of sort of sub personalities that are sort of part of your pie. And then we're going to come on to in one of our other ideas for action. Once you've kind of got that, then how you also might
2: sort of make it a smaller piece of your pie. Reminds me a little bit, in case it helps people, of the inner saboteur work, yes. where yeah, it yeah, might yeah. help you to come up with some of the the language, like it has the saboteurs, like the avoider, the controller, the hyperachiever, all that kind of stuff. We'll put the link into this into the pod sheet, but it's on a website called positiveintelligence.com. That might help you find some of the language that feels useful for you. So idea for action number three, it's quite a deep one, everyone, uh, yeah. but it's about understanding the relationship between your inner critic, which is what we've talked about so far, and your inner child. So your inner child, there's lots of kind of psychology stuff going on here, but your inner child is like the bits of you that are frozen in time from your childhood experiences. And some of that's good, like the things that you enjoyed and that you loved and that were really, you know, really positively memorable. And some of it's not so good. So the things that felt difficult and hard about your childhood. and bits of you are sort of frozen in time and the problem is when your inner child the bits of you that frozen in time sort of drives your adult behaviour. And a lot of that can be sort of subconscious. So, for example, if I think about sort of some of the things that were part of my childhood, I had, I just remember this desire. I lived in Lincolnshire and I had just this desire to leave Lincolnshire. <laughs> this desire to leave the village that I was in. And my mum always worked, so I had this very strong need for achievement, this very strong need for independence, and this desire to just to to leave as soon as I could and to like kind of go make my life that I wanted. It was a very strong part of my childhood. And I think that inner child need for independence and achievement is very, very part of my adult identity. And so when I look at, okay, well, that's the inner child. When I then look at my inner critic, you must keep doing more. You must keep making it better. It is very, very tied to that inner child. Therefore, if I want to stop my inner critic making me feel bad, I've probably got to address some of the inner child that might be driving it so I know that that's quite a lot of psychology but I guess what I'm saying is sometimes it's hard to unpick your inner critic if there's something quite far behind in your past that might be driving that and so we have to what they call what they call in psychology reparent our inner child it's not as bad as it sounds I promise but you almost have to just address where is this coming from I think that's probably the easiest way of thinking about this what went on that has created this voice and there are things that you can do yourself and then there's some things that you might want some other support with so the things that you can do yourself here are one of the things it advises is almost like write a letter to your inner child so that it feels heard which i know sounds weird but you could just be like okay like your 10 year old self or your 16 year old self what does that child need to hear like and then it's almost sort of a bit done it feels listened to in a way maybe it wasn't also speaking to yourself kindly like what is great about you what's really positive about you to give some of those positive messages you maybe didn't get in the way that you wanted them to do and it also talks about playing more rather than perform if your inner critic is making you perform you know post more on social media present more in meetings talk more in your one-to-ones with your manager like whatever your inner critic is like making you do that's quite performative what can you do that just feels more playful it's not for other people it's just it's just for you it's something that you enjoy you know whatever that is for you but reconnecting with the inner child in a positive way can mean that it doesn't create such negative attachments the bit that you might want to consider is if you do see actually a really strong link here if you start to sort of you know reflect on this inner child inner critic and you're like whoa the stuff that happened to me quite a long time ago is definitely what is sort of behind this voice that I keep hearing that's holding me back then it might be useful for you to have some kind of therapy and if that feels scary it doesn't it doesn't need to there are some really good things like better help which is a really affordable way it's virtual it's a way that you can you can literally have conversations about your inner child and someone can help you to think it through if it feels kind of difficult for you to do on your own
0: And actually, the more you read about this, the more you realise, and actually lots of the research and psychologists are very clear about this, that no one intervention works for everyone. So this is be very wary, I would say, of anything where you read the five steps to succeed by quietening your inner critic, because I think that this is not a, you know, like a blueprint process. I do think there Mm. are some things where you we would talk about where you think, okay, well, actually, if you do X, Y, Z, it's probably quite smart and that would work for most people. I think this is, this is not in that territory. This is much more thinking, it's much more personal. So it's much more about listening to things that we're talking about today and just going, okay, well, which one of these feels like it's going to be most useful for me in my squiggly career so that the inner critic isn't too loud, it's not going to be too dominant, it doesn't get in my way from making positive progress. And so as we were going through these, there was definitely like one or two moments where I was like, I actually had sort of little mini aha moments where I was like, Oh, that's actually really helpful for me. Actually, the part of your personality and naming it the needy nugget, A, made me laugh, and it was like it kind of lightened up something that I was, by this point, I was feeling quite bad about myself. But actually, I could even then think of examples in the last week where I was like, oh, that was the needy nugget thing. Oh, that's okay. And then I felt much more at B. It straight away quietened my inner critic. And that's, I suspect, because mine are probably less driven by my childhood and just more driven mm. by my actual personality, to be honest, mm. <laughs> you know, you just like, it's just sort of part of me. And then so straight away, practically I could get to some tools. Whereas I think for some people you could do that and then you might be like, well, I don't feel any different. I still, it still feels as loud as it did before.
2: Yeah, maybe yours is like inner critic plus context is what contributes mm. to it, where mine is sort of inner critic and sort of the inner child, which is kind of the bits mm. that go... Like you say, Yeah, people might go, oh, well, action one and action three are the right things for me, or someone else might go, oh, I need to do the two, This era, I need to name my nugget, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just obviously worked for me. And then the last <laughs> idea for action, we are trying to mix up um, some of the deeper stuff with some of the <laughs> slightly lighter, easier stuff is as we've described, if we all have sort of different parts of our personality on the days or the weeks or the months where you feel like that inner critic is shouting the loudest, you are being your own worst critic, try and actively use a different part of your personality. So take an action or do something where you know it's less likely that your inner critic is going to show up. So if you think about, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got one part of my personality pie that I'm describing as a needy nugget. And that probably shows up, you know, maybe when I'm creating an idea to share with someone else, when I'm comparing myself, I've, I've talked about those examples. Okay, so let's think about other parts of my pie. I would think, okay, well, I've got an empathizer part of my pie. I've got an intriguer. I've got a creator okay, so what am I doing? What are some of the actions that I'm doing that might just sort of rebalance that pie at times or put my focus or even just distract me, which I think can be absolutely fine in those moments where I need it. So I was thinking even about last week, I was like, when I research future podcast guests, when I'm thinking, who would be really interesting for us to talk about for this podcast, that's sort of my intriguer curious part of my brain really really different to when my inner critic is in charge when I read generally but particularly fiction the sort of empathizer part of my personality I think is sort of much more in charge I'm never my own worst critic when I'm reading and it doesn't actually matter what I'm reading when I'm doing some drawings sometimes they're drawings but I say sometimes they're pretty much always drawings for work when I'm thinking about how we visualize things that's sort of just me being a creator and that actually feels slightly different to commit with ideas so again I just don't ever notice the inner critic in those moments. So that actually really helped me. I started to kind of almost make a list of when is the least likely moments that I sort of hear that inner critic. Oh, those things are really helpful to know, because sometimes you might just think I'm just going to spend a bit more time, even if it's not your priority doing some of those things, because I recognize I sort of need to turn down the volume on that critic.
2: I like the idea of like it being like a pie and there are different bits of the pie you're trying to increase. Yeah. So like, for example, my critic comes up in the, you know, like the achiever activator bits. That's sort of like when it comes up. And so what is not that, what is very opposite to that that I could pull into my pie? It would be my learner because that's never mm. really about achievement for me. It's never about getting the badge or anything. It's just about like loving learning and, and enjoying it. That's really different. So I'd bring a bit of that into my pie or it would be like my sort of my reflectors, which i get often like if i'm walking or i'm journaling or i'm meditating that sort of there's something in that sort of silency space that is very healthy for me and again very different to the activator achiever bits of the pie so bringing those in would help me to be more balanced definitely so we know,
0: that, like, this has not been a super um, five Fun, step, upbeat. you know, yeah.
2: <laughs> I do feel a
0: bit like sometimes we do like really easy ideas for Hugs action critic,
2: everyone. <laughs> that are just
0: going to help you at work. Whereas today we were like, no, let's let's take on a topic that obviously also extends far beyond work. Um, mm. But I do think there is definitely a relationship between how much you succeed sort of in your own way in your squiggly career, and your ability to both sort of spot and quieten, this inner critic and I think it's something that like we are both actively working on and it's something I recognised before recording this podcast but actually I feel much more equipped now to do something about having spent some time just understanding this because I do think it is one where you've got to understand what does this mean for me you've got to understand that question because it will be slightly different to everybody else The best other resource that I would recommend in this area, and some of you might have listened to this before today, is we interviewed Ethan Cross, who is a psychologist, and he wrote a brilliant book called Chatter, which is actually about all of the chatter that goes on in your brain. So not just the inner critic, but also the inner coach, like the good stuff. And so certainly the, um, you know, describe yourself in the third person, that was definitely inspired by some of his work. You'll notice his name in some of the research that we'll share after today. And what I think he does brilliantly is make, you know, what is quite a tough and confronting topic at times. A, he's he's got the science behind it. You know, he spent 20 years kind of looking into this area, but then he does make it practical. He's got a very empathetic style. I really enjoyed also reading his book. I think it's... It's not a sort of tough read, you know, it's not where you're, he doesn't go into so much science that you get lost. I think it's very accessible. And he's got loads of examples in there. And again, I think you could read it and sort of take the bits out that sort of worked for you. So if you want to dive a bit deeper after today, you love listening, maybe listen to Ethan Cross as if you've not already, or if you want to sort of read something, maybe check out Chatter.
2: And what I have found personally useful today is just talking about it with Sarah. And we've not Nothing has been solved today, but just talking about it makes it feel like you can do something about Mm. it. So what might be useful is to take the pod sheet, like find someone in your community that you trust that might want to have this conversation with you, take the pod sheet and just talk it through together. Like, oh, would you try that out? What does yours sound like? What of these things could you do? Like that person doesn't have to solve this for you. In fact, it's not, you know, it's not for them to solve. It's just to sort of listen and support. But it might just get you that bit closer to doing something about it if you've got it out of your head and into a conversation with someone that you trust. So we
0: hope this has been helpful. Uh, it's like probably a slightly slower change of tone compared to some of our other episodes, but um it's always good to mix it up. If you've got any feedback, any questions or you've got ideas for other topics, please get in touch with us. We always love to hear from you. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com or you can follow and connect with us on LinkedIn. But that's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm back with you again soon. Bye for now.
2: Bye, everyone.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.